verse uh, 14. Moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, for 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also appointed myself to the work on this wall. We did not buy any land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now that which was prepared for each day was one ox and six choice sheep. Also birds were prepared for me, and once in ten days all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. Yet for all this I did not demand the governor's food allowance because the servitude was heavy on this people. Remember me, O my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Let us pray. Our blessed Lord, as we hear your word preached, we pray that you would remember us for good. Lord, that you would work your Holy Spirit in and through us, that you would help us, we pray, to follow the godly example that you have given unto us through this uh, man, this servant of yours, even Nehemiah. For we ask all these things in the blessed name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. It's a very common phenomenon uh, throughout the world that those who take rule over their citizens often do this for financial gain. They do this for many reasons of exalting self rather than exalting God or helping the people. Um, there's a, a record of some of our uh, members of the House of Representatives. They make about $120,000 a year. I'm sorry. Let me, let me correct that. That's not right. It's $210,000 $210,000 a year. That's a good bit of money. However, when they retire from office, they end up being multimillionaires. Now, there's some question whether or not um, this is done through uh, what we call insider stock trading, or maybe it's because they raise up foundations where people give millions of dollars and then they're not getting bribes. They're just someone's giving to their foundation, after all. But a lot of people in in high places in American government become multi-millionaires. Multi-millionaires. Um, whatever they do in politics, sometimes it doesn't seem that they're always for the best interest of the public, but often maybe for their own self. We'll look at the example of Nehemiah. Nehemiah had great influence during this time in Jerusalem, but he was not one of those who was there to make money off of the people. And we'll look at that a little bit further in today's text. As today's text indicates, Nehemiah's position as the cupbearer to the king obviously was a rather um, well-paid position. Um, he had a great bit of wealth, but we'll also see likely it's very 
much the case that he was probably given an income from uh, the rulers there in Persia as his service there as a uh, governor. He wasn't just a wall builder. He was a governor sent there to help rebuild not only the wall, but to rebuild matters of society. As we learned in earlier in chapter 5, some people in the, in the, um, some of the Jews were, were charging, ex- they were charging uh, usury or interest unto fellow Jews. That was something not permissible in the law. You aren't allowed to charge 1% or even 2%. To a fellow Jew, you are not allowed to charge interest whatsoever. So Nehemiah straightened that, that situation out and lands were restored, homes were restored, and some, some children that were sold into slavery, they were restored back uh, to their parents. But this man, Nehemiah, because of his trustworthiness and his service before King Artaxerxes um, was given, we would say, a, uh, a great bit of wealth because he was a man who was one of the most trusted officials uh, that the king had in his midst. He was given the good hand of God's favor. He prayed unto the Lord. He fasted for days. And the Lord answered his prayers. And the, the king, King Artaxerxes, who's actually, you could say, emperor or Artaxerxes, over the entire empire of Persia, gave him leave for 12 years to serve as governor and wall builder there in Jerusalem. Um, there were many who had been abused because of the famine. There was a famine there in the land. And again, Nehemiah, in this chapter, he, after correcting those who had abused the poor, he gives an example, a godly example, we'll look at in today's text. As we focus on this set of uh, verses from 14 to the end of the chapter, God's calling for you is to imitate the godly example of Nehemiah. And we'll look at it in two main points. Nehemiah's upright diligence. And secondly, Nehemiah's generosity. Let's look at this first main point, Nehemiah's upright diligence. Chapter 3, if you go back a little bit, chapter 3, it's actually in your outline if you have that. Chapter 3, verse 5, it talks about all of those, that that whole chapter is full of a bunch of people who did all sorts of work on the wall. Uh, But chapter 3, verse 5, records a group that did not work. It says, the Tekoites made repairs. But their nobles did not support the work of their masters. So there's a, <laughs> he records for all of history that the Tekoite nobles did not do the labor of rebuilding the wall. Well, last, earlier in chapter 5, we find out why. Those who were guilty of taking from the poor were nobles and rulers. Why can I not work on the wall? Oh, I'm a noble and I have to manage my estate. Well, to be more honest, they should have said, I'm busy expanding my estate by taking, taking advantage of the poor. That's why they couldn't work on the wall, because they were busy expanding their estate. Now, those who had farmlands and vineyards, uh, a couple of reasons why they might have had a hard time going out to the farmlands and vineyards to bring in the harvest is because they had enemies who were threatening them to kill them to make them stop the work. They also had um, a blight, or we don't know if it was a blight, but it was a famine of some sort that made bringing in crops very difficult. So rather than have compassion on those who are suffering famine, 
and suffering surrounding enemies that, that in, inhibit their work, what do the nobles do? They take their land and they take their children. This is a contrast here concerning Nehemiah. Notice the contrast from these abusive rulers and Nehemiah, the godly governor. Look at verse 16. I also applied myself to the work of this on this wall. We did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. So Nehemiah wasn't in some office um, dictating things. He was up on the wall. I'm, I'm sure there was a position of leadership, but we don't even know if he actually did some of the physical labor as well. He may have. But he also had all of his servants to help him as well. Nehemiah led by example that was both upright and diligent. In days of old, in the days of David, when David was um, upright, um, kings led in battle. Kings would go off and lead in battle. They didn't just let others do it. If you were a ruler, you played a part in helping and working and laboring, and battle was, was vigorous labor for the sake of your kingdom. And that's what kings did of old. And Nehemiah did that same sort of thing. The fact that Nehemiah had servants indicates that he was uh, wealthy. Rather than having his servants tend to his need and his household, he put them up on the wall. I, I hate to be trite on, on all this, but maybe, maybe when Nehemiah had to get back to his home, a lot of things were not done. Maybe Nehemiah had to help with, with some of the things around the house when he got home. But we know one thing, if you, as we'll see in today's text, he did leave a large number of servants to prepare food. And we'll see that later in a little bit. Perhaps you might have missed it. There's great significance to this little statement here when he says in verse 16, we did not buy any land. Why is that there? Well, this was a, you could say, a buyer's market. People were in utter poverty and they couldn't, they couldn't afford much. And if you wanted to grab up land, once you grab up land during a financial crisis and, and during a, a famine, that would have been a great time to expand one's uh, territories and and for, but he says that both he and his servants did not um, he and his brothers or his you could say his nobles did not buy any land. Key principle here: just because something's lawful, just because you have the ability to have that action or to take something or to buy something, it doesn't always mean that it's a good or wholesome or godly activity. Just because you have the power to obtain something, ask yourself if it would be kind and merciful to do so. In the case of the poor at this time in history, it might have been better for them to retain their households, and then when the famine's over, when the wall's built, when the enemies no longer can harass them, then they can get back on their feet and stay in their homes and stay on their properties. And I think that's exactly what Nehemiah is talking about here. He says, we didn't buy any of their land. So Nehemiah is not only upright, he's compassionate, he's diligent, he's a godly leader. Let's look also at his generosity. The second main point, Nehemiah's generosity. Verse 14. Moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year 
of King Artaxerxes for 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. And then later in verse 18, he repeats something similar. He says, I did not demand the governor's food allowance in verse 18. Now, you think, um, what's a food allowance? Is that something that's provided by King Artaxerxes? I think not. As we, we'll look at the context a little later, it wasn't something provided by the king. This was something that was like a tax upon the people. As their ruler, he was allowed to, to tax them by them bringing in goods, produce, um, cattle, uh, the fruit of the vine, you name it. They were to bring these things in as a food allowance to give unto their governor. But who was going to pay that? His Jewish subjects. They were the ones who would have this sort of local taxation. So one pair of scholars paraphrased this um, statement of Nehemiah this way. We have not lived at the expense of our subjects as Persian governors do ordinarily. So he says uh, Nehemiah's brethren here are probably not his brothers, but his entire court. In other words, neither Nehemiah nor his court were going to take money from the people. He was going to take money from King Artaxerxes, you're very sure about that, but he wasn't going to take money from the people who were poor and destitute because he had compassion on them. Um, there are some who, who question, they say, well, maybe Nehemiah made a great, immense wealth as the cupbearer of the king, and then he brought all that wealth down to Jerusalem, and he lived on that for 12 years. But the kind of, the kind of table he spreads, you'll see in a little bit, I highly doubt that he, he was saved up that much money. He was likely being paid by King Artaxerxes for his service there, and then he used that income to be generous unto the people. But Nehemiah, you could say that he was someone that was willing to take an enormous pay cut for the sake of those he served. He was willing to take an enormous pay cut for those in Jerusalem because they were in destitute situation. The two motivations for this are found in verse 15 and in verse 18. So the first one, the first motivation in Nehemiah not taking all of the income that was allotted to him is, is in verse 15. The former governors who were before me, they led burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. He feared God. God, how could I take from this people who are destitute and poor? I can't do it. Because his conscience, uh, his conscience burdened him that this was not the right thing to do. And it was because he had compassion as well. Verse 18, I did not demand the governor's food allowance to be taken from the people, that is, because the servitude was heavy on this people. They were in a bad way. They were already laboring diligently upon the wall. Why take their food as well? Now, there are some nowadays, both in politics and elsewhere, who are willing to take a pay cut to do something as a calling from God. 
Maybe it's some passion that they have. It's some calling that they have. It's something they love to do. And they're willing to take a pay cut for the sake of those whom they love and serve. Um, I think it's a good idea at times to have someone with wealthy business experience and who's made an independent wealth for them later on in life, toward the end of their life, to go into, into, uh, into government. Well, a person like that is less likely to be bribed. A person like that is less likely uh, to want to do things for the money. They're doing things for the cause of the people. But notice again, Nehemiah's generous hospitality. So instead of taking a food allotment from the, his fellow believers, he gave them a daily food. Look at verses 17 through 18. There were at my table 150 Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now that which was prepared for each day was one ox and six choice sheep. Also birds were prepared for me. And once in ten days all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. This is an amazing example of hospitality. Amazing example. Hospitality is something that is, is commended, it is recommended both in the Old and the New Testament. Hospitality is, is to not just entertain folks, it's to provide for their needs, to give them food and drink and to, to care for the sustenance of their bodies. Um, there were 150 Jews invited. It says Jews and officials. And I can guarantee you that many of the Jews that were invited were likely the poor who could not afford to feed themselves. And they could never repay many if not most of them could never repay Nehemiah for all that he gave them. And I want us to see how Jesus talks about that same thing. Keep your place in Nehemiah, but also turn to Luke 14. Luke 14. Considering that he likely fed a great immense amount of the poor, Luke 14, starting in verse 12. He says here, Jesus says, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return and that you will be, uh, and, that, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is similar to what Jesus says elsewhere. This is building up treasure in heaven and not upon earth. It's not always the best practice to do what is financially best for yourself. Think about doing what's financially beneficial to others as well. And here, Jesus says, when you invite people to your home, don't invite people that can invite you back. That's a repayment. Maybe invite those who are poor or lame or that cannot repay. In particular, in this church, um, because of some of the folks that we serve in this church, we have opportunity for that, don't we? We can do that sort of thing. Not every church has that, but we have that 
sort of opportunity to do that, don't we? Have you? If you haven't, are you willing? Because of the love of God, God gave us his son. Because of the love of God, God gave us Jesus Christ to die for our sins, to suffer for our sins. Love gives. And when we love others, we want to give. And one of the ways that we can give is through hospitality. Hospitality is love of strangers. That's what the word means in the New Testament. And we see here, Nehemiah's example is that he loved strangers as well. It says that he invited many from the nations that were around us. I'm sure most of those were Jews, but they were likely non-Jews as well. He had a love for strangers, hospitality. But the good thing about having people over to your home for hospitality is that strangers can become friends, and Lord willing, friends can become church members. It's a wonderful way that we could witness and that we could help and bring people into the church. And it is commanded, uh, especially for those who bear office of elder. Today's text, Nehemiah, you think he's showing off, don't you, sometimes? Well, look at the spread that I put forth. Look at all the animals that I put forth. Look at all the people I had at my table. Sometimes I get the sense of that. In uh, Eastern governments and Eastern rules, sometimes you had people who would express the measure in which their rule was great by how many they fed. We see that with, we see that with King Solomon, which King Solomon's table made this one look a little, a little bit huh, much lesser, didn't it? But when he, his ultimate motive is not to show off. His ultimate motive is to please God. Look at that last, uh, look at that last verse there in the chapter. Remember me, O oh my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Ultimately, your goal in life should not be for the praise of men. It should not even be for the praise of your children or your spouse or your church family, but for the praise of God. Remember me, O oh my God, for good, according to all that I have done. We want God on that great day of judgment to look upon us and to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. God calls you today to imitate the godly example of Nehemiah. Imitate Nehemiah's diligence. None of us are beyond getting our hands dirty, getting into the work and doing the labor. Uh, you don't want to be like those nobles who are too busy to saying, well, we can't get up on the wall. Remember, just because you have a legal right to something doesn't mean you should take it. Nehemiah's godly example of generosity was one of hospitality for love of strangers he thought about the financial benefit of others, not only his own financial benefit. Likewise, consider what is beneficial to others, not just to yourself or to your family. If none of these virtues are found in your life, if none of these um, evidences of a true and lively faith are found in your life, ask for God to help you. Ask for him to help you grow in these things that you can become a more godly, generous, loving, 
diligent, compassionate person. If God has not changed your heart, that is impossible. Before you can bear much fruit, you first must be united to Christ by faith. If you have not confessed your sins, that you are a sinner worthy of God's displeasure, do so now. And by being united to Christ, you will bear much fruit. Let's pray together. We do ask, O oh Father, that you would help us, especially those who have a, a profession of faith in Jesus our Lord, your beloved Son. Help us, we pray, to bear such fruit as that of, of the godly governor, Nehemiah. Help us, we pray, to be diligent, to be upright, to be reputable, to be faithful. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be compassionate and generous to those. Help us to think not of our own interests, but the interests of others. Lord God, we pray that you would work in us mightily. If there's any who has not committed their life wholly and fully to Jesus Christ, we pray that you would work in their heart and their mind, convince them of the truth of the Holy Gospel. We pray that they would believe and receive Jesus Christ by faith that they would be saved and that they would bear such wonderful, blessed fruit. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.